Hi, this is Charlie Goodchild and Andrew Goodall, and you're listening to the Health Space Podcast. This is the podcast where we dive deep into health-related questions and topical issues relevant to us all. The world of health and medicine is messy, full of contrasting opinions and misleading advice. We will challenge the myths and common misconceptions by exploring the evidence, speaking to leading experts along the way. We are physiotherapists, have been friends since university and share the same belief that everyone deserves the opportunity to access high quality, up-to-date health information. When it comes to health, we believe that better never ends. Thanks for listening. Let's get going. Welcome back to part two of our podcast with Ben Steele Turner talking about supplements. We're going to be going into a bit more detail today, in particular discussing the role of a supplement in athletes versus a non-athlete. And we'll also be getting onto a really important topic of the use of Haribo as a supplement. Enjoy the show. We've said that supplements in the in the main they're not good as a like a blanket approach. I think is kind of what we're saying. You know, yeah. they're appropriate at certain time points um, for certain reasons um, for certain people, and there are some um, important conditions or situations when they're appropriate. Like you mentioned, sort of pregnancy, folic acid, that sort of thing. Um, but when um, let's let's move on to like a niche of that then. So we sort of slightly slipped into athletes a little bit um, and we've slightly slipped on to sort of those that go to the gym Um, but what what amount of exercise maybe and that 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 might be the wrong way to phrase that but when do all of a sudden do we move out of the kind of mid-ground and when do we move to a point when we might need to supplement for instance with exercise maybe I'm going to the gym enough or I'm doing enough running or where does that well you never need to supplement but if you the evidence on creatine is pretty good you know if you're doing high intensity sport sort of like under 30 seconds duration it and you've creatine's pretty simple you know follow the loading of how whatever that is and then five grams per day or whatever it is um it it probably will help you to a small degree but nowhere near as much as the huge other factors that you'll be hopefully following if you're a keen athlete caffeine will help with as well nitrates will help sodium bicarbonate but these are you've got to be competing really high level and very keen and then you're probably at the point where you have someone who's doing that research specifically for you um and 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 they will help but you i would never say you need them so get the fundamentals right yeah and 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 then consider it as a yeah get the fundamentals right and also with with elite athletes as they rightly should be they're always looking for that extra little bit so a significant if you're looking at the general population a significant difference in health status would need to be like well in a in a group of a hundred thousand probably hundreds of them need to have an improved health status before you'd even consider it being whereas in an elite athlete if you could improve your 100 meter sprint by a hundredth of a second you probably do it um so yeah and it's also very hard to get elite athletes to follow studies or where there's a placebo because if you're an elite athlete and you know you've got 10 years of competitive life competitive career 
you're probably not going to spend six months purposefully taking a placebo unless there's some strong <laughs> reason to right That's a great if, point. Why, why would why would you join why would you volunteer for a study as a like you know if you're going for the next olympics where you know there's a potential better option you probably wouldn't so any of these performance-based supplement studies are really difficult to placebo therefore the we have to accept there's there's a, a a pinch of salt with the, yeah. with the I results mean, that come I through. I think nutrition science is really difficult because it's um, there's so 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 many variables. But in that in that example, yeah, um, and and also all, all athletes are going to be different, and every single sprinter on the lineup of a hundred meter high level race, they're all going to have their own thing. They're all going to be taking a concoction of supplements, and they're all going to be 100 percent trustworthy in what their coach and their nutritionist has said and yet um, they all finish within 0.1 of a second uh, yeah right um and so it's not the fact that they're all great because of their supplements it's all their decades of training and you know natural talent and uh, and s and everything that's got them there um i know maybe usain bolt eats his chicken nuggets before he did say that didn't genetic he? mutant i think yeah he did say he eats chicken nuggets for us maybe that's true maybe it's not um but yeah, it's not the fact that they've all are all taking creatine that they're there. But it, yeah, you'd find it very hard to get one of, uh, or a group half of them to stop taking creatine just to find out. Yeah, you make a good point because there's absolutely zero chance you'd get me and Charlie lining up on a half marathon and one of us agreeing to take a placebo because yeah, you just wouldn't. Otherwise, I'm the other win. one would be tripping the other one up as we as we're going. Uh, yeah, um, you know. Uh, Okay, that, I think you make that's a that's a really good point. Um, when um, we've sort of spoken a little bit about harm, um, is there any supplements that you would say to people don't take? For instance, like is there any? Maybe not dangerous is the wrong term, but don't you waste know, your money. Yeah, ones where you say. Don't waste your money on that. That really, that really isn't worth taking because we've said some are available. Uh, some have some benefits. Some work in some scenarios, but mostly it's about diet. But are there ones that like they're kind of never really worth taking? <laughs> yeah, uh, one that you just don't need to take. Well, I I guess other than the ones that we've covered that are the essentials, on in any scenario, pretty much any supplement could be a don't need to take it. So like to get the recommended amount of like um vitamin c in the uk probably like two two large satsumas and a few strawberries and you're there so that's not very much every day vitamin c um you don't have a store for it so you know that needs to be every day um so then then it would be a waste in, in terms of a supplement that you never ever need to take under any circumstance um I mean, the supplement industry is massive, right? I think in the US, there's like 90,000 products that fall under the supplement label. 90,000. It's just insane amount. Um, so, yeah, without identifying an individual one, I would say unless there's a clear reason to, then you don't need to. So potentially most of them, but also you can't rule out any of them in a small case by case basis as yeah well. yeah and also this is a podcast so many people are listening but like 
You um, trying to? Are you saying that you don't want to put USN off from a, a cheeky sponsorship no. from the podcast? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, it's, just, it's pretty wide-reaching. So no, they, so we, we, yeah, we, just say so this isn't health. This isn't individual health advice. This is us <laughs> just talking about. Very true. We, we're not. We're not giving individual health advice. But in terms of one that you never ever need to take, you could you, you like for for an, any individual person, you, you could say pretty much all of them at some point. You that that is a waste of money. But then. Um, uh, there, there are others that some people, if, if a lot of the message of like, okay, maybe this something isn't as good is about who's funding it. So like in the UK with the NHS, they'll say this, um, treatment or as a supplement definitely isn't worth going, but that should be with the caveat that if we can prove it's not, it's lower than the toxicity level. And there's no adverse effects. It's not doing any harm, and the person's paying for it themselves. Then, you know, whether Charlie, whether your wife's Brock is doing anything or not, if it makes her do better and she feels better, even though she is just weighing it all out, then it is actually doing something, right? Um, so, yes, we kind of diverted off any that we don't ever need to take. But I would, I would likely sitting any, on the any, fence. Yeah, kind of sitting on the fence, but then any. I would say any that are... My thought process is going towards the little lovely, colourful amino acid drinks. It's your intra-workout. Yeah. Um, Intra-workouts intra is a is a weird old field because some people say you should have a bag of Haribo with you in the gym and that makes no sense to me at all. Why? I'm fully for a bag of Haribo uh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, workout. Well, uh, well I, I think... Um, I understand you're having the sugar, but, I mean, if you just have an apple... Right, would be my. But cola bottles are better than. They apple. are not. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they're tasty, but um, yeah, fair enough. They're not hugely nutrient dense. I think that's that's great. That's a, a a really good end to the podcast talking about the difference between apples and Haribo. Um, but, but I, I'd really like to hear from you actually, just a, a more general piece of advice. Uh, can you give our listeners an idea about if they want to learn more about supplements or nutrition in particular, what would be a good a good entry point regarding, I don't know, books, podcasts? What, what do you think would be? Yeah, uh, that, well, firstly, do your research properly on this because nutrition's infamous for having so much and a real... Be really critically thinking that, you know, there's a there's a such a wide variety of of sources but really think about who's giving this advice you know is this advice coming from the people that make that supplement because and and if not there's loads and loads of um of good instagrammers but just make make sure you know like look for are they a registered dietitian are they um a registered or an associate nutritionist like what actually is their qualification do they have any um commercial reason for saying what they're saying or are they genuinely just giving good advice um probably the the i would if you're really interested i would look to get like a an introduction to human nutrition textbook so back when i was studying my masters there's a introduction to human nutrition um i believe it's on the quite a few third or fourth edition now one of the editors is Susan Lam- Lanham New, um, and then there's a couple of others, Thomas Hill, I believe, Alison Gallagher. Um, if you're if you're buying a textbook that's designed for students, that you know, their reason for writing it is they're academics, they've they're into the research and they've got the best from their field to write the chapters in it. So 
that would be a good place to start and then um that's what that's what i would go for and then pick your mainstream media and your social media stuff very critically and think about why they're saying it and what the reason for that is and how could our, our listeners get in touch with you if they if they want some more one-to-one nutritional advice what's the best way to get uh, in touch? yeah yeah um always uh, everything we've discussed make sure you're you're getting it individual because it's really really important and for me it would be fizzy fizzy nutrition is my handle so that's p-h-y-s-i-u-t-r-i-t-i-o-n so it's just a little mashup of physio and nutrition which i came up with one day while i was in bali i think just decided that's what i was going to go with so <laughs> when i was when i was away traveling i was like, i'm going to start an instagram page and physiotrician seemed to be what it landed at it's a great page i'd recommend anyone have a look really good information on there so yeah i like the name and thank you some really cool stuff on there uh, at the end at the end i like to um sort of probe um just for a bit of this is this is not necessarily nutritional health advice that um it's nice to just hear what other people are listening to or enjoy so uh, i'm going to start asking people like a favorite podcast that you listen to um just another podcast another little shout out doesn't have to be um doesn't have to be in this realm could be anything just something that you enjoy um uh the one i really like it's not nutrition based it's more physio is uh words matter podcast with uh dr oliver thompson really good not at all nutrition based but if you're if uh if you're in any way interested in musculoskeletal care um and very similar to what we talked back probably about 40 minutes ago or so um you 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 trust your peers clinicians want you to trust them um uh, it's very very good and he's a very eloquent speaker and i certainly trust him (laughs) yeah i think uh, i mentioned it earlier in the in the chat actually um mark bubbs dr bubbs podcast is is good he he gets a lot of guests on there uh the performance nutrition podcast so that's that's quite a nice one to be getting some yeah. evidence based. He's got he's got a book as well, which I'm uh, sure he'll love. Yeah, for. food for thought I referenced as well. Um, uh, that's re nutrition or re r h i, r h i nutrition. I think that the the lady's called Rhiannon. Um, that's a very, food for thought. That's a good podcast as well. Okay, great. So we'll post links to Ben's um, bio. Um, uh, we'll link him in when we post this on our page. Um, and then obviously if you've got any questions anything else you want to ask him or any questions about the podcast you can drop us and uh, Ben a line on Instagram that seems to be the best way to get hold of you yeah Instagram definitely I always get moaned at for being up on too much so I will reply quickest on physiotrician for sure great As soon as we'd finished recording, we realised we had one final question for Ben and he was kind enough to stay to answer the question. So here we go. So something I think we, we should really talk about is supplements for joint health. Um, we, we spoke about the value of chondroitin and glucosamine, something that for years has been prescribed and recommended for reducing risk of arthritis or, or, some, or reducing symptoms of arthritis even. Uh, and uh, we found that actually the, the NICE guidelines um, go against that uh, being used. But what would you say? Is there anything that we should be doing in regards to supplements to improve our yeah, joint health? Yeah, so joint health is really um, definitely a focal point of uh, 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 of the, what the supplements um, would go for. Yeah, glucosamine and chondroitin, as you said, uh, the evidence just really 
isn't there to support it. I think if you really looked into it, you might find something. Um, I would say with glucosamine chondroitin, there's, there is quite a bit of anecdotal. So some some individuals will find it does it, it does help. Um, we probably should talk about um, omega-3s and fish oils, not just for joint health, but for um, overall health. This is probably one we should have, I should have said, my mistake, when we were talking about um, ones that could be used. Um, and definitely a really important tool in the in the supplement world would be omega freeze. So um, for joint health, the 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 type of fat, the polyunsaturated omega freeze are naturally anti-inflammatory, um, and they they definitely could be some benefit for some people with joint health. The this is going to be much more important for people who don't habitually eat much fish or regularly eat much fish so if we're looking for cognitive benefits of omega-3 there's an association of one oily fish portion per week then the research generally excludes people that regularly eat three or more so then it's not so good but maybe the fish oils then or cod liver oil whatever isn't so good because the people are already eating three fish per week um i i take uh, omega-3 supplement um not every day but a few times a week, just even though I eat a, a fish probably once, maybe twice a week. Um, some of the interventions with omega-3 might go as high as like four or five grams, but a, a one to two grams, so 1,000 to 2,000 milligram omega-3 for joint health certainly could be beneficial. Um, there was one particular study where they looked at like very high dose versus low dose or what would be a normal omega-3 um, for joint health and actually the the more normal amount which was i believe one to 1.5 grams per day over two years um did better than the super high dose and if you want a piece of evidence in itself this was a two-year trial of of high versus low dose omega-3 in people of um of sort of oa age 40 to 60 odd um and i believe they wanted to do omega-3 versus placebo they couldn't even get um, it was it was deemed unethical to give people of that age um, a placebo and and give them advice to not eat oily fish. So if you want a reason to potentially to eat omega free or take supplement or eat oily fish, you know it it actually went against trial ethics to purposefully stop these people taking them. Um, and you know you're going to have to take an awful lot of omega-3 supplements before there maybe is a toxicity over a long time. If you're taking one Monday, Wednesday, Friday, um, and you're not eating fish that often, it's probably going to be a good idea. I think that, so that was similar to the folic acid trial, wasn't it? They started a folic acid trial and instantly stopped it because it was unethical not to yes. give, yeah. Yeah. give mums and I think, the folic yeah, acid. And there's been some big folic acid trials and the ones where they specifically target the people who are low in folic acid, um, it shows the benefit. And you can't, you you cannot, you are absolutely not allowed um, to find women who are trying to conceive or who are in the first 12 weeks of pregnancy and give them a placebo of folic acid when you know they need it. Um, and equally the the benefits of omega-3 for joint health and then for for wider benefits and if if someone's thinking about taking a supplement specifically for joint health so, so omega-3 even if it doesn't help their oa symptoms it might help their OA symptoms it's definitely going to be beneficial for their overall health 
And yeah, I think I, I didn't realize this actually. You, you mentioned that the benefit is the anti-inflammatory component of the fish oil. Because I always thought that it was the oil that was a lubricant. This is this. Excuse my ignorance, but that it's the oil that's a lubricant to the joints. But clearly, that's not the case. You're, you're saying that it's the it's the anti-inflammatory component. Yeah. Of, of so it. with arthritis, particularly, um, uh, as physios, we're, we're all generally of the much more uh, up-to-date view that it's not wear and tear. It's not what it looks like on a scan. And actually this kind of chronic low grade systemic inflammation. So um, cytokines and inflammation in, in systemic means in your blood. So circulating your whole body could actually be a huge factor um, in your in uh, arthritis or you know joint pain. Um, and that would be where omega-3 could help because it, it could improve that circulation. And there's some really interesting ideas, um, a big um, study in... Uh, the Netherlands looked at links between obesity and particularly abdominal obesity. So the intra-articular fat, your visceral fat, which creates more cytokines, so more inflammation, um, was then associated with greater risk or worse symptoms of hand osteoarthritis. That's not even a weight-bearing joint. So it's more than just lose weight. You've actually got this inflammation circling around the body that's then worsening OA where you're not bearing weight. Yeah, the book the book I read recently, the the inflamed mind, really really opened my eyes about the immune function and, and and inflammation and the effects that has beyond our body, but into our mind as well, and and how that affects mental health. So, I mean, this is a, a topic for a, another podcast yeah, yeah, in itself, yeah, which yeah, yeah. which yeah. is fascinating. But yeah, really, yeah. that's really interesting yeah. that the, the joint it's not the joint health is mostly most likely improved by that anti-inflammatory component hence the systemic and that widespread results yeah, that it has absolutely on other yeah. health we kind of went off well. at a tangent but to come back to the for joint health um remember the itis not just the arth so remember yeah, the, infl- the, the inflammatory, inflammatory component, part yeah. not just the the joint part great thanks for listening if you've enjoyed the show subscribe and give us a five-star rating we'll keep bringing you the gold Follow us on Instagram at the.healthspace and for any questions or ideas for future content, email us at thehealthspace.co at gmail.com.